You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. You have tuned in into 3CR's program, Behind Closed Doors. This program explores all topics related to sex work. We give sex workers and allies a comfortable space to share their experiences. We also appreciate questions from the general public. Behind Closed Doors aim to uncover what the sex industry is really like. Our program exists to bridge the gaps. Please be mindful this program is not suitable for little years as there may also be explicit language use. Please connect with us on Twitter at bcd3cr or email us at bcd3cr at gmail.com. Hi everyone and welcome to Behind Closed Doors on 3CR 855 AM and Digital Radio. I'm one of your hosts today, my name's Dean and I've got Kitty with me and we have a very special guest, it is Christine McQueen. Hi Kitty. Hi Dean. And welcome to Behind Closed Doors, Christine McQueen. Hello, thank you, glad to be here. So I'd really like to introduce Christine. She's a Sydney-based escort who's active on social media and regularly visits Melbourne to see clients. She's very successful at utilising her website and social media to create her brand. She's spoken out about her experiences dealing with banks and financial service providers and has also appeared in several articles, including Crikey and Daily Mail UK. Today, we're going to chat with Christine about the issue of banking discrimination. Christine, you've got such a high profile on social media and in the press at large. Why do you think people are drawn to your story and your personality? Well, obviously, I was in a high-profile court case, and especially for Victorians, it's a very powerful, rich individual. So for the media, it made a great story. You had a glamour model, sex worker, and the dead billionaire. It couldn't get better. And, of course, the wife, and it just goes on and on. So that kind of, you know, penetration into the minds of the public and the fact that it was went for such a duration, it, it literally left a marker in people's, you know, subconscious or conscious. So that's what happened. And I was making the decisions at the time where it was like, okay, winners will draw the court case that basically I'll never get advertising like that. So this is an incredible opportunity to be prepared and have national coverage. And I was literally, that was, you know, essentially what I could gain out of it. And I did. And from there, um, you know, my photos were good. I was looking mint. I had an awesome PA who was just like, let's go clean up. And we did. And was that the reason why you, I guess, transitioned into sex work? and how you made it work for you to make it the brand Christine McQueen and take it to another level. I was, you know, thinking a lot back then where I was around 28, 29, where really the the stigma and the utilisation of stigmatising people, I was questioning that. And basically, I personally came to what I think is the realisation that People don't care if you're a sex worker. They don't. But what they do enjoy is having something that they can needle you with. So it doesn't matter if I do or I don't. It doesn't matter if I have 20 kids or, you know, and be a a prolific sex worker. It's just, it's more the advent. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, they fundamentally don't give a shit. And they also, people also call people who aren't sex workers prostitutes. So I was like, oh, so this is this is literally a loopy, silly, nonsensical. And I wanted to do it as a business because basically I hadn't had a peer show me. So I wanted to have like an open it an experiment to see just what if, just God forbid you turned up with on time and you had all your ducks in a row and your legals, I've got my you know, um, staff, advertising, I'm looking hot. 
and take it from there and pay tax. And it had coincided with a incredible, as you know, mining boom. The market was aching. We had cashed up bogans who just, you know, have any woman they could <laughs> and, you know, get tattoos. Was it tattoos, jet ski, barley, pussy? <laughs> <laughs> well, Christine, I think it was absolutely clever of both you and your PA to be able to take that situation that you are in and spin it around so that it was marketing. It was something um, mm. that gave you, you know, that great head start to your branding. And you know what, when I read those articles of you online, I was so inspired by the way that you took stigmatization with sex work head on. You inspire me to do that, to be able to show my face. Cause right now I'm not face forward in, the sex worker circles but you know that's my plan and you are such a strong figure within our sex worker landscape and I just want to say you're an inspiration to us all that's very kind of you you've got a great face you should show your face <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have a good face you reserve the right to blur you know <laughs> many of us sex workers think of sex work as running a business and as you've already said you have your legal sorted, you know, you've got advertising, you've got your PA, you are running a business. Because when we don't run our sex work business, we can't be profitable. You know, we need to have those budgeting sheets and we need to have ourselves really organized. As a sex worker and an escort, how would you describe your sex work in a nutshell? I feel like it's a superpower. I think it's a phenomenal gift. I think it's something precious and a, and a paradise of opportunity to make people happy and for them to make me happy. I really have a, like a, not just a monetary a connection and also a love for my you know, close clients, but it's like a spiritual place for me too. In order to run your business, what types of payment transfer services and bank, banking services would you ideally need? So basically, uh, uh, the big one is uh, merchant services. Obviously, it's the duopoly of um, Visa and MasterCard. I don't have either Visa or MasterCard um, anymore, but we have Amex, for example. I haven't seen an Amex transaction in a very long time. I don't know if I think I've even seen an Amex card, you know. And then, of course, it's the, you know, the apps, so Square and, and other places. So you need a suite of that. That makes, firstly, you're not carrying a lot of money. You know, you're not racing to the bank after, especially if you're hitting a, you know, really good run and, and you're, and you've had a dozen appointments in a short amount of time and you're not zigzagging back to ATMs, you know, shoveling money into the, into the hole in the wall. It removes all of that. And it also removes temptation to um, not spend it on absolute when you're en route to the ATM, because it's amazing how a few thousand slides off into Chanel as you're making it to Collins Street to pack the money into the, and <laughs> get to your next booking, you're going, Damn, I could have sworn that envelope was thicker. So it just, it's good practice, you know, um, to have these facilities. I mean, back when we, when I had it before, it was the click-clack machine. So, um, you know, you'd have like your little bag and then your condom bag and then this great big, you know, sliding machine. It was really unattractive. Mm -hmm. And I'd always lose the middle transparency thing. I was like, oh my God, you know, yeah. <laughs> So when they came in with like the new the new stuff, unfortunately missed out on on that era, you know. It's also really hard for our sex workers because oftentimes when we are having a client, we're dealing with cash. So if a client wants to extend his booking with you, sometimes or most of the time he doesn't have that extra cash on hand, which means he has to go to the ATM. And do you count that into your next hour of your booking? 
usually we don't just as of a you know yeah. a PR point of view that takes a lot of time from the booking as well so having a sort of transactional merchant system is the way to go well I mean here's the thing is that we're in basically a a really interesting period where it can't be like just one or the other you know there's the arguments for the universal income and then there's the arguments to remove cash from the economy and that we're completely digital now i see cash and 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 a certain amount of freedom of money as a, pri a private act essential as a human right i don't want to assert that there's a we should be too hard in seeing it as a puritanical uh, business behavior i think we should reserve the right to be flexible because Essentially, um, you know, uh, with sex workers, like the terrain, even with the decriminalisation, is still not even. You might need cash just to, you know, move off and things like that. People are very jealous and, you know, will try and make trading for, your, for you difficult. So essentially, mm -hmm. you might have to remove yourself off the grid. But uh, the encouragement and the best practice actually to exalt that, you know what, it's like, you know, the water's warm here, come and join me in this in this, um, you know, uh, behaviour and inclusion of, of banking and and all of that is that more people, more women, I'd like to see showing more of that and normalising the behaviour. So then, as you know, other sex workers are coming through, they are adopting these uh, these concepts because uh, they're not being patronised and lectured. They've been shown in an elegant way, and unfortunately, there is. It's just very, there's very little peers who are doing that. I mean, it's even some other high-profile sex workers have not paid tax in ever. I think it's also because some workers don't realise how important tax is to enable them to buy a house or to enable them to have a future where they can be investing their money so that their money is working for them rather than for them to be constantly relying on, you know, being in sex work in their 50s, 60s, 70s and so on. How about just having a seat at the table? My, I, I don't pay tax because I want to. I pay tax because, you know what, when something happens to me and someone's done something bad to me, I march down the cop shop and I scream my head off because, you know what, I'm part of this, so hand over your end of the social contract. Yes. I don't see anything preventing me from engaging because I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, doing best, you know, or even the basic business practice. So forget housing, that's like down the never never. It's like, you know, the behavior effects right now is that it's like opposing magnets. You want to join in, but then you're, you basically have something that people would hold over you when you're not paying, you know, tax. And quite frankly, I mean, I don't know about other people, my rates, I don't miss it. You know, a few less Chanel handbags or whatever, a quarter. I'm sure <laughs> I, can, I can, you know, <laughs> deal with it. It's not going to kill me. And that's a pretty privileged position. The mindset is very tight in regards to the banking situation. Mm. Yes, I really liked what you said as well earlier with regards to money. So regardless if money is in a cash form or in an electronic form, money is money. We appreciate it regardless of what form it comes in. So yes, we, there's an element to be flexible. When we come back, we're going to talk to Christine McQueen about the difficulties with banks and why banks don't just easily provide us with these merchant services. You're listening to Behind Closed Doors on 3CR 855 AM and on digital. Breathe in and out. You're listening to 3CR. Hi, everyone, and welcome again to Behind Closed Doors on 3CR 855 AM and digital radio. We are Australia's only sex worker radio show. I'm Dean and Kitty and I have been chatting with 
Christine McQueen about her experiences as a very, very famous sex worker, a very, very successful sex worker, and someone who has faced financial discrimination. Welcome back to Behind Closed Doors, Kitty and Christine McQueen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's get on with it. <laughs> I bet you say that to all the boys. Yes, I do, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Time is now, penis. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Yep. <laughs> Before the announcement, we were chatting with you, Christine, about your experiences using uh, various modes of electronic payment for your clients and for your business in general. Now, did you find that transition from an older style to the electronic style easy? Yes, I did. I was really ready for it, actually. I I really desired inclusion because I'd done the cash sex working thing for a long time. So there was nothing new there. Like it wasn't like, I felt like it wasn't working and that, look, when you get out of your head, because, you know, your, your thinking is, is a soup of thoughts. There's no, it's not an exact, you know, science, but when you write things out and, and the, the ledgers and all that stuff. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to give that a crack. And um, I bought like a filing cabinet and, you know, cause I just lived in the, you know, in the never, never, I was like party girl and was going through millions and millions of dollars through my twenties and, and had very little to show for it. I'd be getting in trouble and I had no resources or, or, you know, you know internally, where I could call on myself to, you know, structurally deal with issues and um, money fell into that. In fact, it was the top of the list. I had a huge um, splat around 31 years of age and I completely screwed up my life. My relationship with money was like spectacularly, disastrously toxic. A really good friend of mine actually came over. He walked into my apartment and I was crying and carrying on and, and, you know, all the, the drama of, you know, I didn't have any drugs, so I was like, you know, like really annoyed. And I think, you know, I was fighting for my children, so it, was, it, looked, it looked pretty bad on the, on the horizon. And he walked in and he just goes, hey, you know, what's up, blah, blah, blah. And then I was telling him and he, and he goes, well, what, how can this be? Like, he just says, where's the money? And the actual shame, the feeling was so clear to me, like, and I've never lost that feeling because it was appropriate to actually be horrified at my behaviour. And it was absolutely embarrassing and shameful that I had been given so much, uh, more than most people would, you know, experience in their lifetimes. And I was uh, so slapdash and, and, and treated it like it was, you know, nothing and didn't give it the respect. I didn't respect myself. And I was effectively just stupid, just hot and stupid, which is a great market, but uh, not great for <laughs> for surviving when things get rough. It was so toxic with money, I had to make that an absolute priority. I actually put it up before my children because I thought, okay, the kids will sort themselves out down the track. However, I have to spend money every day. I will be making, I actually stopped working as well for about, I think it was like several months, no sex. I also threw in no masturbation. Oh, killer, 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 killer. And then you go, okay, I want to go shopping, but you can't. And you're just detoxing. It was like, I had to simplify all my variables to a lower registry to start to remove these crazy ass behaviors like that. Now, I mentioned this because basically, predominantly heavily, I'm talking, you know, more than half of the population of women who engage in sex work, I can't talk about the boys, have fundamentally huge issues with emotionally and psychologically with money. It's a thing. So then you bring in, you know, financial instruments like the apps and the and merchant services and, and things like that. Well, you know, I'm sure it's safe to say that, you know, they're not gonna, they're not really keen on, on, you know, giving their services to people who are 
not mature enough to engage with it. It is, it is a agreement. It is a business agreement you'll adhere and agree to. So I wanted to do that way. I was not interested in how I've done it. I was a fool, an idiot, all the things that I, you know, I deservedly can be labelled with back then. So I was like, you know what, if that ends to nothing, then I might as well try it this way. What have I got to lose, you know? And it just happened to just really work for me. Sounds like you were on this journey of, you know, this huge life uh, learning experience. When you did sort yourself out, in order to run your business, what types of payment transfer services and banking services did you use that ideally suited your business? We got the merchant services uh, through Bendigo Bank. So we had the click-clack machine. And we weren't doing deposits back then. It was mainly for paying, you know, the wages and, you know, commissions and things like that as a service company at that stage obviously cash was still very very dominant kitty mentioned before like you know having extensions and things like that usually people bring their max spend having to pause the booking i'm not into it it's like i don't know if i'm going to be able to pick up the tangent and get my sexy on again i'm invested in the booking as much as they are like i'm horny too and it's like you know two minutes away from me i'm on the google on my head's already in another universe it's it's you have to you know you'd have to be pretty incredible to drag me back to where we were so it's like don't be stupid you know bring your budget because when it's you know it's like a lockdown basically (laughs) the credit card was very unsexy and one of the things i found very you know with the with the machine is that men like to you know touch the goodies as you're trying to you know do the administration oh yes they do don't touch me (laughs) i'm doing my bookwork and you do now for some reason the hearing of course becomes diminished in this incredible situation or they talk you know there's people who can't do awkward silence it's honestly it's mine that's why i charge a thousand an hour because i can't mathematically deal with this i just need to just have basic numbers because i forget and then you know next thing you know it's all on and i'm like i haven't got the extension booked and i'm thinking oh my god You know, it also interrupts the flow of service, you know, things like that. So things that came along that I was very envious of and I did briefly have it was the Square. I think it's an app now, but beforehand it had like the little plug thing. It was really cute. I did a booking on that and then Square, uh, I did put the application in and said I was a sex worker. They, uh, they of course, um, found out I was and, and held the money for four months and the usual story and, you know, things like that and I of course hit the roof and and yeah I've been you know subsequently legally advised to stop writing nasty you know retaliatory emails to did they send you did they send you the money back eventually they did yes but you know you had to fight for it yeah and I also really needed it it wasn't like you know you know I've got bills too and you know my bills might be larger than usual sex workers so yeah it's like give me my goddamn 800 bucks and mm. it was yeah and sadly they're also like domiciled in australia so it's like and also serve me because you should be obliged to i personally think they should be made to you know i have to just accept whatever they you know just the fact that they can provide services but even the ones that have denied it it's like you know what they can f off you know even if they came good it's like mm, no now i can say you're not good that was what we had and of course you would have seen the lists online of the staggering amount of uh, institutions financial you know gateways payment gateways that don't service expressively um uh, this business and we're talking right through from, you know, like devices and lotions and things like that, even certain types of clothing right through to, you know, one-on-one contact. So they're really going for it. You know, you have to really fight tooth and nail. Regarding financial discrimination, that's something that is, I guess, front and centre in a lot of sex workers' minds because we are very hesitant to out ourselves in public. 
we have to out ourselves all the time, especially if we have to deal with accountants and banks and, and financial services. With the discrimination that you've had and the, the experiences that you've had, what has been the main challenge that you face with all of these banks and financial service providers? Well, obviously with the merchant services, the, you know, the, the two big guys, and of course all the apps, is that uh, the jurisdiction is in, the, in America. So as you know, uh, America has essentially a what, right-wing <laughs> puritanical, really hijacked by, uh, you know, this sort of Christian uh, believers, but that American version of it. And, you know, they, they'll do anything to get in power. They don't respect elections. So long as they're in, they'll just screw over anybody. And then they enact this horrible projection of, of views that honestly are like kind of nonsensical. I mean, I'm sure all these dudes have bookings. Like, there's no way. So when you have a business community like Silicon Valley, of course they want to, they want to appease their government. They're going to do business with their government. The problem is, is that that government and houses basically our new reality, the universe of the internet as a majority, 98%. Now you have, you know, a skewed government view mixed in with business where it's essentially like it's merged and it's not for the greater good. It's just for 1% for their money. And that's trickled out basically. That has a ripple effect where everyone's, you know, generally trying to buy into the favour, you know, the grace of being acknowledged and part of that community. So a lot of them would love to serve us, but they don't want to be essentially uh, rejected by their peers. And that's kind of pretty much where it's where it's at. Other than that, you know, in America, you know, it can be quite sort of naive. Oh, like, you know, I can always think to myself, well, how come the Australian government doesn't, you know, make a point for us? As part of our financial discrimination cluster of episodes that we're airing on Behind Closed Doors, we are also having Kate Carnell on our show, who is the Ombudsman of the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise. And we know for a fact that she is... Um, very against financial discrimination and she's on the side uh, to ensure that sex workers are not being discriminated against. You're listening to Behind Closed Doors, Australia's only sex worker radio show. Tune into the station that gives voices to sex workers. Subscribe to 3CR. Hi everyone and welcome back to Behind Closed Doors on 3CR at 55am. I'm Dean and Kitty and I have been chatting with Christine McQueen about her experiences as a sex worker and also about the uh, experiences she's had with financial discrimination. Some of the financial institutions have insisted that sex work is inherently risky business or that dealing with sex workers damages their reputation. Christine, what would you say in response to that? Let's just highlight, for example, one of the trillion stories that Citibank, for example, are laundering. And then, of course, no one got charged. They have a cosy position with government. Well, they have the party line because it's infuriating. I think I think certain businesses, when they um, become, as a culture, toxic, they're so hell-bent and, and conditioned to being in the driver's seat and they're enjoying being the king, right, that they you know create certain barriers for certain groups with um, nonsensical statements because it's maddening. It, it, it exhausts your enemy. I'm saddened that there hasn't been any standouts where they had really put their balls on the line to make a point of difference. I'm amazed that how there hasn't been like a consortium of people with our background or some sort of participation where we haven't made our own platform for a payment gateway, um, especially within Australia. I had a chargeback once and the reason that they gave was so bonkers. You know, I had all the or the palaver, like the signed click-clack, uh, you know, uh, statement, um, the camera, like the CCTV, 
um, a photo of his license with him in the picture holding it and and he told the bank that um that it was an impersonator and they told me and they said we accept his we accept that so the banks believed him yeah now look i can do crazy okay not a problem if i was in on the joke or the thing i'd be like ha 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 obviously there was a impersonator my bad right i for some reason got myself on a puritanical bad day and went off my find and just just shot out this crazy ass letter to the bank and of course my services ended uh, thereafter. And I was like, so you're, so you're telling me that it's too hard basket and your client, even though he robbed us and effectively sexually assaulted the escort. And on top of that, I have to double down for your criminal activity. I realized it was the house. This is, it, they don't have to, they're not obliged to make sense. They're obliged to look like they're, you know, above it. But even then, like when it comes down to the nitty gritty, it was far easier to fob me off than, than lose him. Can you tell us uh, what was the outcome of that with you in the bank? Okay, so I went completely mental and I was horrified and I was an idiot where I should have just sucked it up, covered the loss and I'd still have merchant services to this day. So they found me antagonistic, which I probably was. I imagine that my expletives included many terrible things uh, because I was I was upset and I used to punch on with words back then. So I wasn't exactly the most, you know, emotionally adjusted person. I was just like, you've now hurt me. It feels like you have cut me and I'm now going to put in writing what I think of you. And they're just like... The okay. funny thing is that, you know, putting it in writing was the best way to go about it. And I think that no. um, <laughs> I should have sucked it up and just, you know what, for the greater good, I would have made, like we're talking easy, maybe in excess of millions since when since that happened, which was several years ago, had I been able to retain those services. But Christine, you took the ethical route. You stood up for sex workers. You stood up for all of us. For a fee of a job. I wasn't standing up for the sex work. I was standing up for, I didn't think that they could be that crazy. You know, when you're thinking like, you're not expecting to hear insane. Obviously you had all the evidence necessary to prove that the guy had consented to. Yeah. And wanted to bully us because we're sex workers. I'll never know. I mean, I will never get the inside thinking, but what I did realize is that uh, it's their rules and they don't have to make sense. I totally regret it. It's been a massive pain in my ass. I wish I was doing the other episode, you know, where I'm going, oh, you know, I live in this lovely reality of merchant services falling all over me and blah, blah, blah. Right? Yeah. But what, what that says to me essentially is that sex workers need okay. better representation and that we are currently evidently being discriminated by banks and that needs to change. And we hope Kate Carnell can do something about this. Look, I'm, I really hope she can too, but I am... You know, I'm fascinated to know, like, what kind of leverage can she honestly use? We have a, you know, an industry, a banking industry, where financial institutions that have created a gargantuan Ponzi scheme for our economies, and so we're boom bust, boom bust. And of course, you know, with credits, that that's how they make money. That we have, like, you know, outrageous costs of living. I mean, even the fact that you know I can charge a thousand an hour every hour is testament to you know people's ability to access credit, things like that. So essentially, this is not a fair state of play. And with the government, you know, they, you know, instead of like, you know, helping pay up people's mortgages when the market crashes, they give money to these institutions, which really shows you that, you know, sex worker or not, I think, like collectively as a, as a society, we're all fundamentally being diminished as human beings. We're treated as 
batteries and we're not loved first you know like i personally would love to be loved by our government and when the market turns south that they would be like madison ashton trading as christy mcqueen we really need to pay a mortgage because we can't have you go down i mean wow especially when we pay so much tax as well oh so getting doubly screwed not in (laughs) in a really nasty no jelly tabasco way and it's really offensive and i'm like how to uncouple that relationship between you know basically the one percent of financial institutions and governments and i'm sad that our government hasn't stepped in and you know asserted on our behalf even the COVID thing when they're shutting down all the businesses it was like romper room and they're going and beauty parlors and pubs and i thought i honestly thought scomo was going to say and sex workers like i thought oh my god he's going to say my name he's going to say my name and he didn't but i could feel like he was going to i was like oh traps you know like yeah to be included and they never mentioned adult services at all i think everyone else other than the pm never ushered it it's a complicated situation that we're in in that the different states and territories in australia have different rules and regulations regarding sex work So once we have a more uniform decrim laws, I think that will be better for all of us, but it's literally one state at a time. With your experiences with dealing with the various financial institutions and financial service providers, what has that taught you about sex work and the world at large? I feel like I'm very, I'm unusual in my own kind, for example, but you know, I do believe that it'd be unfair to withhold my experience and give some sort of cheat sheet, something that can help women learn from my mistakes. So, you know, they don't have to pay the price. As we wrap up, I just want to highlight the list of financial institutions and which ones that actually discriminate. This can be found on the Sex Work Law Reform Victoria website, and that is sexworklawreformvictoria.org.au. And will also be posted on our Twitter Uh, which is at BCD3CR. Christine, anything else you'd like to mention? I'm exhausted. I need to lie down. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today, Christine. It's a pleasure meeting you. Hopefully Um, uh, children won't be too scared off by the conversation. No, they won't. It's been very uh, informative. And this is what we need on our show behind closed doors to inform and educate the public as to what we go through and how we can actually change things to make a better world, better society for all of us. You've been listening to Behind Closed Doors on Community Radio Station 3CR.